0: L-D-E-J-A-N-E-I-R-O, soldejanero.com, and use the code ACAST10 for 10% off. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices
1: Welcome to Dynasty As They Want To Be, a podcast where we drill into every episode of the iconic 1980s television series, Dynasty. I'm your host, Derek J. Lang, and with me is my co-host, Kyler K. Jafari. Bonjour, party people. Hola. Well, I guess we should apologize for being absentee for a while. Um, You know, there's been a lot going on in the world. We took a mid-season hiatus. Yeah, just a little hiatus. You know, there's so much going on. We just felt like we didn't want to be in the mix. You know, like, I understand this podcast is fun and everything, but there are more important things for people to be consuming the past few weeks. I think we've
2: covered this topic before. We're, is Dynasty tacky right now, given what's going on? Or is it escapism and therefore justifies itself? I You know
1: yeah I mean even if it is escapism I think there's more important things going on that we shouldn't necessarily be escaping right now when it comes to consuming culture and media so yeah that was kind of the reason for the mid-season hiatus but now we're back
2: so we have in honor of the mystic psychic powers in in this current episode yes
1: a return to the supernatural dynasty
2: I think our prior visit to that realm was what the over the the top tarot card reader slash psychic in rome yeah
1: for psychic stuff but i mean we also got you know some optical illusions and all kinds of things in this episode
2: so yeah so we're having a drink called a high priestess which is kind of actually just a made-up drink it's a variation on the margarita and the daiquiri but when i say those two names those are not referring to like the frozen pool drink from panama city that apparently margaritas and daiquiris have turned into. But anyway, so yeah, it's uh, one and a half ounces of rum and an ounce of Frangelico, which is sort of like the bizarre variation ingredient. Um, and then you know your classic half an ounce of lime. So you've got your sweet, you've got your sour, you've got your base alcohol. I don't know if tequila would work with this because I think the Frangelico is too jarring with tequila, so that's why it's more on the run. I don't think I've ever had
1: anything like this before. I'm Um, excited.
2: And then I threw in a dash of orange bitters and some herbals, which were uh, rosemary and mint. Um, I would have used basil if I had that, but that's what we had.
1: So. Oh, and these are fresh herbs grown yes. by yours truly in your micro farm. COVID inspired herb garden. So it's
2: it's called a high priestess because of the frangelico. It's you know pope mm-hmm. on a rope or whatever we used to call it. Um, it's you know it's that mystical.
1: I didn't even realize we had frangelico in the bar. So I, well, I so here's the thing. It. This isn't a
2: drink I would recommend. But if you've had too many rum daiquiris and too many tequila margaritas. And you just happen to have the ingredients knocking about in your liquor cabinet. That's something fun to try as a right. diversion.
1: Well, cheers. Oh, yeah, it's very herbaceous.
2: Yeah, it's herbaceous, and then you get, like, sort of the nutty background from the Frangelica, which is sort of, like, would seem like it doesn't work with lime, but it totally does in an odd way.
1: Yeah, it's weirder. Uh, This
2: is definitely one of those, like, you're bored with what you've been drinking, and you just need to press the reset button and have something a little different.
1: Yeah, this isn't something that I think anybody would necessarily crave, Mm
2: But it's definitely evoking all those mystical powers of alcohol. So. I
1: can see Stephen Carrington right now, and I've only had two sips.
2: Yeah, yeah. You're totally getting, like, the doodle doo flashes.
1: <laughs> yeah, you look like Fallon right now. I want to go over there and make out with You're you. You're to gang rape me. <laughs> Ooh, <laughs> you wait, can't you can say that. that.
2: Whoops, sorry. <laughs>
1: Well, I do have some good news. I haven't really talked about this with you, but um, we are available to be nominated for the Podcast Awards. Did you know this?
2: Yes, I, I knew this because you told me earlier. Oh, I did tell you.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, I wanted to tell everybody else out there, if they're so inclined, go to podcastawards.com and you can nominate us in the People's Choice category and the TV and Film category. So maybe we'll win an award and a trophy. I don't... I don't know if there's like a ceremony probably not now if they did have one I think it's going to be it'd just be like a zoom call or something yeah exactly but um that's fun so we could get some more recognition for the podcast
2: well I mean honestly if you're watching dynasty this is the only game in town if you want a podcast about it yeah
1: I mean if you're listening you might as well just go to podcastawards.com. love us or not
2: we're all you got
1: It doesn't cost anything. You just have to sign up with your email address. So go do it right now. Push pause. Go to podcastawards.com and scroll down. Look for dynasties they want to be under the D section.
2: You sound like the customer support hotline, (laughs) like walking me through the steps to reset my password or something. Mm -hmm.
1: And hold down the power button. (laughs) Did you plug it in first? (laughs) Did you hit the eject button?
2: feel like we're locked in our homes for 12 hours at a time and yet i have an even shorter attention span (laughs) than i ever have had like sitting through an episode of dynasty feels like watching a movie now well
1: especially this week's episode oh god it was kind of triggering gotta say it's kind of a funky episode yeah well let's take a break and we'll get into this week's episode the search Today's installment of Dynasty as They Want to Be is brought to you by Audible. Audible is offering our darlings a free audiobook with a 30-day trial membership. Just go to audibletrial.com slash nastypodcast. That's N-A-S-T-Y podcast. Or you can text podcast" to 500-500 there browse their unrivaled selection of audio programs they have it seems like everything i actually found a children's book about queen goddess ella fitzgerald that's narrated by billy d williams how freaking cool is that to get started simply go to audibletrial.com slash nasty podcast or text nasty podcast to 500 <laughs> Well, we're back in Bali where Alexis and Blake are searching for Stephen Carrington or Stephen Carrington's body. I don't know. It's so they leave it so up in the air whether he's actually alive or
2: not. It's definitely like a an issue of habeas corpus like. Without the body, they don't really know if he's a dead or alive. And
1: well, Blake seems to think he is definitely alive, and I do not understand where his logic is coming from this whole episode. But especially with like,
2: what do you mean? Have you not been watching this show since episode one? Come on! But this is what Blake does. Like, this is his personality. So I I understand like the the writer's angle here, which is he's just going to power through. This is how he built his empire. This is how he dealt with his messy family politics. But and all this, this is now how he's dealing with his son being potentially dead. All the
1: signs dead. that the writers have planted here make it seem like he's dead, right? Everybody else on the oil rig except for one guy is yeah, but dead. This is, the bodies have turned okay, up. Okay,
2: but again, the, the, this is soap operating, so it's all like information management. Like, they're feeding that to you, but then if you've watched a soap opera, you know to totally not believe what you're being presented on the screen. Alexis doesn't
1: believe that because she's ready to have a memorial service and she's grieving she really has reached the first stage oh yeah of the grieving she's two process. tears in a
2: bucket motherfucker. because this is what she did with adam back in the day like oh our son's gone i guess the 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 search is called off now bye bye well i do so like the same thing with Stephen here like she she gave it a hot minute and she's like okay well i guess he's dead and now i'm gonna go cry about it and be done
1: ice cold
2: so you yeah. know which is in opposition to what blake's Bla- personality Blake is. does
1: mention that that he gave up too quickly on adam and look what happened there
0: Stop that crying. There's no need to cry. I don't need to cry. How can you say that? Our son is dead, Blake. He's still alive somewhere. I know it. Do you? Yes. I gave up once on Adam. Turned out he was alive. I'm not going to give up on Stephen.
1: So I guess it does kind of make sense, but I don't know. From my point, I'd just be like, "Eh, I'm going home. He's dead.
2: Well, it's definitely one of those like they've exhausted all the options here. Even the pilot, the captain, who's this guy? I don't know. And he's like in like the nineteen seventies jungle safari suit, like I think he's
1: one of the skippers from the jungle cruise. The jungle cruise at at Disneyland. Yeah. um, Yeah.
2: Totally. Or or he's like gonna serve me some tiki drinks in that or something. I don't know. But anyway, even he's like done. He's like, Look, I, I got to move on. Like, my guy's got other projects to work on. So yeah, we this, got, this we got other
1: oil rig explosions so, to deal with. Um, I do have to give kudos to the production designers, though, because they did a really good job of making it seem like they were in a Borneo hospital. And the, the stakes, I feel like, haven't really been this high one of those, before.
2: Like, you watch stuff from this period, and it seems like outside of the United States, the rest of the world was still stuck in the 70s because i don't know something about that hospital even the captain even though like he's not of the people but like well darling
1: it's only 1980 i know but then three. you go back
2: to denver colorado and everybody's all 1982'd up like they're looking sequins and blown out hair and you go to you know borneo and it's, well hell it's they went
1: to malibu in this episode polyester and that double pretty and
2: 70s like, too yeah maybe i don't know i mean but you definitely get like some of these like early 80s moments where it's clearly not the 70s anymore more, but not here not in bali or borneo it's it's very much a it's like those uh, vacation destination postcards from yeah. the time you know there's like lots of fondue and poi <laughs>
1: You know, the color of poi kind of reminds me of that color of uh, Jeff's office, which I still cannot. The color believe. of poison. Oh, I like that.
2: Yeah. We all love a shitty play on
1: words. What I don't like is the fact that we're still dealing with this mischievous Adam Carrington painting Jeff Colby's office plot. Although it really does come to a head the, here. The more
2: it sinks in, the just the funnier it is. It's it's such bad writing that it's almost like, well, yes, this is a soap opera. This is soap operatic. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I'm fine with that. But, like, this has gone on for, like, more than three episodes. It definitely is one of
2: those things that needs to wind up. And, like, yeah, we need to resolve this and find something new.
1: Paint the wall, let it dry, and then, like, let's move on. But... I don't know what is in this paint, but it has it has very unique properties because now it's using like Star Trek teleporter technology like, to turn yeah, Kirby into foul. Yeah, it's like there's like peyote Fallon. or
2: something in this paint. Because <laughs> yeah, these are like, he's having out-of-body experiences or something. It's
1: causing him to sweat. It's causing him to see his ex-wife. Which
2: I guess we're supposed to accept the fact that he's still holding a torch for Fallon. And that's I know, what this it's is all like about. the
1: writers are trying to make him so puritanical that he's not allowed to cheat on Fallon, even though she's done all of this mm-hmm. stuff to him. Like, the only way he can do it is if he sniffs glue and Fallon beams in from the USS Enterprise. <laughs>
2: <laughs> if, if we didn't know that Fallon was a space alien by now, like, <laughs> so kind of, the- that kind of makes sense now that you... Yeah, a well, on, right.
1: foreshadowing too, right? Uh, but let me ask you this. Is it cheating if you kiss another woman...
2: But you thought she's your wife.
1: Because you've been poisoned by teal paint.
2: I mean, this this is these are the big questions that big question. this, this show is asking us to contemplate. Uh, the other thing that you get in Jeff's office, though, well, along with that hallucination, is the very real appearance of Kirby with all of her... like. Okay, so Kirby is amateur hour. She is so trying to be the psychotic manipulator, but she's no good at it. And she gets in over her head later with Adam, but even here with Jeff it's like she's trying to you know trick him into going to a movie with her and like oh maybe if he spends some time with me he'll consummate this relationship and everybody keeps telling her to just go see a movie so she goes to see a movie because jeff won't go with her and like instead of going to just like you know i don't know what's 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 out in november december of 1982 she could have gone and seen sophie's choice or She could have gone and seen Tootsie, but instead she goes and sees some fake movie that's not real. That's basically a meta, (gasps) a meta on Dynasty, and like it's all just an excuse for her to talk about you know in thinly veiled terms uh, the relationship she has with Jeff. Right, and then Jeff's like, "Oh yes, I've always, I just, I'm." I'm, you know, deprived of love.
1: Well, he thinks her describing the movie is Is describing him and Fallon, right. No, well, Fallon describing him and Fallon. So that's the (laughs) entree for him to plant his lips on her. But what I thought was really interesting is that she admits that she's always loved him. But hasn't she already admitted that she's always loved him? well you could see it when she was like walking out of the taxi that the look on her eyes when she looked at jeff the turtle that she always loved him well
2: in some ways this is a little bit jeff's fault for not just taking her home
1: there you go blame the man
2: no 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 no. i i i mean specifically because then she goes off onto a very dark misadventure
1: kirby Would you please let go of me? What's the matter? Please let go of me.
0: Not until you tell me what's wrong.
2: All right. I started on this stupid diet this morning. I haven't eaten all day and I'm famished. And I always cry when I'm famished.
0: I knew a girl like that once. She dissolved
2: in her own tears. We've had this moment on this show before and we're going to have it again this episode. Great. Yeah,
1: trigger warning. It's only been two seasons since we had Sexual abuse ahead. (sighs) I didn't see this coming. I mean, I guess that's kind of the point, but that's
2: again, why Why? this this episode is not good and not because of just this specifically, but you're being asked to like take a lot of leaps of faith about a lot of the characters and events happening. And this thing with Adam essentially date raping kirby uh well no, not
1: it, essentially uh, he, date, he i don't raped mean her. to be
2: casual about it i mean it's like it's not exciting to watch on the screen and no. i don't know like
1: and but, it's not you know i understand it. sexual abuse is sometimes part of narratives and film and television and literature and it you know means something but this i don't understand it just kind of almost comes
2: out of nowhere it seems like
1: sensational and yeah. gross
2: yeah it's so it's so it's exploiting the exploited and i'm not like a big sjw or anything like this i'm 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 really saying the idea of being date raped is already an important and very unappealing topic and then to use it as sensationalized entertainment as you say yeah and it happens like um, between
1: a commercial break it's
2: totally exploitation and she's very much like i was saying this earlier the she's the amateur in, the, in all of this like it's interesting they're both having dinner and they're both a couple of like semi-psychotics but he's clearly you know the most practiced at it and she's just kind of like swimming in, in deep waters that she has no business being in that's what i'd really dislike about the way this is presented because it's almost it's the classic 80s, well, she victimized herself. Like, mm-hmm. it's not... Yeah, she,
1: she. she's more disappointed yeah. in herself Oh, she than wore a short her pink
2: dress, and she drank too much champagne. I think she even says that. She's like, oh, I had too much champagne. You know, and it's the way that the victim is made to be, like, the perpetrator of the crime. Well, in
1: and, my point, I'm looking at it from a broader perspective. The writers didn't have to do that, you know? They could have just hooked up, like... The problem is is she does not offer consent multiple times. She says no. No, no, no. She doesn't want to kiss him. Certainly doesn't want to have sex with him. But the writers could have made it, you know, maybe, you know, we've all like done some things that we're not super proud of, but it wasn't sexual abuse so maybe this could have been a situation where they hooked up and then she didn't feel so great about it but not that she was violated as she clearly was in this episode so the whole thing just leaves me icky because it doesn't it doesn't do anything but make the people telling the story look bad because we already know adam's a ball. and well, my thing is this, we already know this
2: episode's already been or sorry this season has already been so good and the prior season was so good it wasn't like they needed to like pull out the emergency rape scene to like get the ratings back up. So this just all just sort of seems like there's just no justification. I don't understand. Mm -hmm. And and I don't know, maybe this was just more casual back then. I, I can't imagine what the audience would have thought of this at the time. So, Maybe that's all it is, but well, I, don't, I definitely it today, it's not, a,
1: not I definitely think I mean I haven't done scholarship into this, but I think stuff like this is the reason why it's so hard for survivors to come forward because this is what you're watching on one of the most popular shows on TV, you know, think about it. If you were somebody who went through something like this and this is this is how it's depicted, where it's your fault because you drank too much champagne and you just wanted to dance like no gross get the fuck out of here
2: yeah all of this is like kind of underscoring how i used to not like kirby's character but now i just feel super bad for her i
1: mean i still don't and like her character i think but... she's like
2: in over her head on a lot of things and she's playing with fire and and she really got burned obviously here but uh it wasn't going to be much better with jeff and she's already been put in place by her own father, um, who's so obsessed with social positions, like so, she's just like kind of being, you know, molded from all of
1: these masculine egos and all these different directions. Mm, but that's an interesting take. I just think she won't shut the fuck up. She talks way too much, and I think she doesn't really. Yeah, I don't think she really understands how the world works. Well,
2: and that's, you know, kind of an important lesson in the 80s is like the power of money and business and how you can very much get swallowed up into these things. And if you don't know what you're doing, you know, you might turn out like her character in some ways. And it's not like it's her fault, but uh, the 80s world was a very vicious place i mean in some ways we still carry a lot of those you know those priorities but um it, it wasn't the warm fuzzy mid mid 20th century anymore
1: now let's talk about miss crystal carrington or mrs crystal carrington i get confused because mark jennings is always around
2: mark jennings is just a mustache and some short shorts to me so after that i'm not really sure what the character's doing
1: oh come on he's got a big heart he got her locket out of pawn or out of oh, He's another one he's
2: like you know on the surface looking to be your ally and looking to take care of you but really he just wants his own selfish
1: he's just trying to get no i don't agree with that at all he wanted to protect her he still has feelings for her and you know him displaying well, that actually maybe after, in some
2: ways that's more crystal's fault then because maybe she's not reading that blame he's putting, the woman he's putting that on the table but she's not like picking it up because she's still trying to have this both ways where he's like her friend but he's also his like the, i don't
1: the, think there's anything wrong with that i think where she fucked but i don't up. think
2: he's he's gonna do that he's like i want crystal back
0: like not oh, as yeah, a friend yeah, yeah. no right?
1: i obviously that's where this is going it's
0: nice to see you wearing the locket again at least something of our past still matters to you picture of me inside it's not still there
1: i replaced it but i think where she messed up is that she's wearing this locket with every outfit now and blake of you know the
2: necklace the necklace the necklace and another piece of jewelry that gets her into trouble
1: well you know this is the most interesting thing about crystal is her jewelry collection (laughs) Um, but no, I mean, it's, it's a bad move. You know, she, I mean, she is honest with Blake and explains where it came from and all of that. But then literally the next like three times he sees her, she's wearing it. And I think it's, uh, you know, got bad juju.
2: Well, this is another, like I normally Crystal just kind of sometimes irritates me, but I'm never love loving Crystal in this moment. I just feel really bad for her because it's like, she's just doing what Crystal does, which is she has this little memento and she's just so simplistic not in a bad way but you know this this to her is just it's just my locket from back in the day and it doesn't have anything to do with mark or me still having feelings for him but of course blake's going to read it as such because this is what Blake does. I mean, this is, again, like a, it's interesting how soap operas present you character types or they create characters that become their own type. And you have to understand the dynamic between these characters. So for Crystal, the locket is just a locket. A it's, it's, it's a sentimental item, right? Mm-hmm. But for Blake, it's, oh, you're cheating on me again because he thinks she's always cheating on him with somebody. So, you know, and then hijinks ensue, I'm sure. But we get to the closing credits. So I guess we'll find out.
1: The best part of all of this locket stuff is that we got to see the five fireplace roaring at la mirage in that scene you mean with like the arched brickwork? Mm-hmm. it's it,
2: yeah it's it's still like full 1978 mexican restaurant up in there um and i'm sure it's still a hot place for singles to mingle
1: but you know it's not like blake is totally preoccupied with this locket because he's you know still searching for steven and has hired a Preeminent psychic to find him because that's how desperate he is at this point.
2: So I like to call this period uh, in the trajectory of like public interest in psychicism and the supernatural sort of like the post hippie era. It's it's sort of where the like the people who were into spiritualism and psychicism got about ten or twenty years older because it's not like the late sixties anymore. It's now nineteen eighty two. So like they have like mansions in Malibu, um, on the, you know, rocky beach and it's all like modern decor, but yet it's still this like idea of like he's in touch with the supernatural and he's psychic. It's almost culty in a way, but I can't really describe it. Like, you know, like Robert Monroe or or like Scientology. All this, like, you know, the West Coast, always associated with, like, the kooky psychotic Oh, yeah, no, that, of course,
1: they go straight yeah. to Malibu to find yeah. the world's Malibu's where you psychic. find your
2: preeminent psychics, right? But now
1: it didn't really make sense to me because Alexis is, like, a psychic. It's like, what about Adriana you were just communing with in Rome last season? Because that lady, that tarot card reader predicted Cecil Colby's death. Yeah, yeah, she did. So why didn't they go to Adriana to find Stephen Carrington's body or him living Can't answer that one, can you? Because they
2: just needed a cheap excuse to go to Malibu for an afternoon. <laughs> because they know. wanted to get Paul I mean, Shinar. when you have a private jet, you know, like, you
1: now, gotta you take advantage. Now, you know Do you recognize what, who the psychic... What movie he's from?
2: No, I just recognize him. I, he was in Scarface. I don't know if that's what I remember him from, but...
1: He's another dynasty actor who died of AIDS. Oh. In 1989. Unfortunately, gone way too soon. He voiced the evil rat Jenner in The Secret of Nim The Secret
2: of Nim, <laughs> <laughs> Which also came out... Out in november december of 1982 yeah
1: he was a really busy boy in the early in, 80s in the early 80s yeah yeah but I, I i think he does a good job here he brings this weird gravitas but also kind of snake oil salesman because it seems like he's just trying to get a free trip to denver
2: yeah he's he's not the kind of psychic that's you know walking around in a gypsy peasant dress yeah yeah he's with a wild hairdo he's um in a suit with a turtleneck you know like he's that kind of psychic
1: yeah you got to know somebody to go find him like he
2: might be on the phil donahue show tomorrow afternoon well i kind
1: of feel like that's the vibe that i was getting is that he was sort of this hollywood psychic who'd been in the news and on donahue and hard copy or whatever (laughs) but i just don't know what to believe with this psychic if he's really going to be able to find steven or if if he's bamboozling the carringtons i
2: it- oh, I I love that they were having that conversation in his living room, and well, there's a couple of things I love. First one is just uh, Crystal giving the suspicious eyes to everybody. Yeah, Linda Evans. Crystal's not do, there for this. She's not having she any of this. She does do a
1: good job of playing skeptic. Um, without without yeah. So you know, Linda eyes.
2: Evans is doing some more of her eye acting that mm-hmm. she's famous mm-hmm. for. Um, but also number two is like the psychic basically fishing for a free trip to Denver on the, on the Carrington dime, you know? So it's like he sees Blake in a position of weakness. So he's like, yeah, I'm going to get a free, free trip to Denver out of the this. The letter's one, not stronger. Yeah, no, I need, in, I need more than just this letter.
1: And I need to be on the Private jet. I need, because I, need if the I have to the whole house that he coach, used to live in, yeah. it's going to mess with my senses. Also, going to need a bottle of Don Perignon <laughs> that really helps me tune in.
2: Because that's what I'm feeling was was Stephen's favorite champagne. <laughs> Fifty
1: two, I think, is probably the year that's going to help me find him the best. And um, also, a, a hooker. <laughs>
0: If your son is alive, Mr. Carrington, he'll come to me here. He will. I know he will.
1: But yeah, so I thought the episode would end with, like, the psychic his eyes widening and saying i see him i see steven but it fucking ends back at the paint store with dum-dum adam meanwhile back at more the old
2: lumberyard lumber town yeah <laughs> whatever that's
1: where i get all of my poison paint lumber town
2: I'm, I'm curious to know like can you get poison paint mixed in whatever shade or did the, the was it only made in certain colors well
1: he said he was mixing it so i think he was just getting the like poison lacquer at Lumbertown, and then he was going to sherwin sure, will volumes for the teal color right Because so
2: you got to like figure Wait, out
1: why do you want to know about this because you're painting our office right now
2: yeah but it ain't going to be teal so you have nothing to worry about oh
1: good This is the part of the episode where Kyler and I reveal our looks of the week. There were a lot of outfits this episode, a lot of one-scene ensembles and not a single one was good. The um more reasons
2: why this episode's just kind of off.
1: The the biggest offender I think was Alexis, was finally in her safari gear, <laughs> which is I think what we were looking forward to with this jaunt to Southeast Asia. Oh, she was
2: full on Panama Jack with those knee-high socks <laughs> and like head to toe khaki. Yeah, and the mm. collar
1: popped, you know. But no,
2: it wasn't working for it me. It wasn't,
1: yeah. I wanted it to be I like. I mean, we
2: do get one of her signature like short side high up do hair hairstyles so you know that's that's interesting but but i
1: wanted her to like take it to the next level like a phyllis neffler in troop beverly hills like what she
2: did that's just total costume at that point
1: what do you think alexis wears every goddamn episode it's called well, this is definitely
2: not costume this is just like something you pick up at jc penny yeah
1: so i it was it was definitely wah wah totally underwhelming when i saw her in that outfit i wanted be more honestly you know you want to know who had my look of the week linda evans no no really kirby
2: oh really no you got to explain that one
1: okay so it's only a one scener but it's where she goes to talk to fallon oh you like the black and red thing she's got this black and red now yeah that would be a close runner-up well here let me defend my honor so a lot of times on this show more so in the first and second season they they do these kind of monochromatic looks where it's like all the same color or all you know two of two colors throughout and it doesn't always kind of work because the mustard isn't mustardy enough Mm -hmm. or the rose isn't rosy enough three shades of the same color but this this is great because it's black and red which you know I love black and red that is a delicious combination well, and
2: black and red is like fully embracing like this ain't the 70s anymore like this is very of that time yeah you
1: know? yeah the, the suede knee high boots are the same color they match with the, the red detail on the top and the cherry on top or should I say the cherry on the ponytail is she's got a little red um mm-hmm. <laughs> I just used to call those doodly balls. I don't know what
2: those are. Yeah, yeah whatever. <laughs> At
1: the end of her long ass braided hair, she's got a a little red. Got a little red Corvette. <laughs> what do you call those? Little red writing that, that you put in your <laughs> beret. Little red beret. Little a red, red beret. <laughs> i
2: don't know why does this song keep coming up and in specifically reference to her there's something about her that just red is her thing
1: mm-hmm. but yeah so that was my my uh, look of the week crystal was disqualified for me because she wore the same jewelry with every outfit this episode so
2: sorry wait are Maybe you classifying week. the locket as the same jewelry i am oh, okay well whatever the locket's kind of lame but You know, whatever. She does wear that nice white, you know, column gown that same silhouette she always has. But it has like the nice hand. The fabric on that was really nice. Yeah, it almost had like a sort of like.
1: Is this your look of the week? Yes. Okay. It had almost
2: like an astrological or zodiac. Quality to the the whatever the pattern was. Oh,
1: we're talking about something different. I'm talking about the the silvery dress, the shiny dress no, not that she the, was wearing, not the Jeff.
2: cheap polyester satin thing. She, no, not oh, that. I hated that. Oh, you hated that. Yeah, okay. it was
1: ugly. <laughs> Well, do you want to talk any more about
2: it, or are you- no? Because uh, th- again, this is feeding back into why this episode's just kind of a you know flat tire. Like, I mean, she looks. There's like- a lot of forced writing. There's no great performances here. Although the psychic is sort of a fun performance, and then none of the clothes are even that interesting. So it's all the like if you don't have any of those things you don't have an episode of dynasty
1: i think subtext i mean i guess
2: you got some jet setting i guess there was that but
1: yeah i do love that but i do think there's a little bit of subtext with crystal because did you notice that she was drinking sherry in the library Mm -hmm. and then she went to go meet mark and had a whole big glass of wine so i think maybe she's got an
2: alcohol issue well you know it's it's classic queen of cups characteristics like alcoholism
1: yeah Yeah, well you gotta fill all them cups up yep well kyler thank you so much for joining me for another episode of dynasty as they want to be it's good to be back
2: i think we're gonna go supreme with the (laughs) donuts
1: oh no you didn't oh yes i did did All right. Well, that's it, guys. Thank you for listening. Go uh, follow us on social media. If you're not already, we're at Nasty Podcast. That's N-A-S-T-Y Podcast on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, everywhere. Like, 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 like. And most importantly, go nominate us for a podcast award in the TV and film category at podcastawards.com. We'll see you next week when we talk about the episode Samantha, hmm, who could that be about? Bye, y'all. Ta-ta for now.
0: d-e-j-a-n-e-i-r-o com and use the code ACAS 10 for 10% off.